Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast, where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christianity with compassion, conviction, and courage. It's me, Peter Tragos, your host. With me as always, Aaron Curran, Pastor A.A. Ron. Last podcast of season one. Oh, is it? This is the last one of season one. And we're going out with a bang (laughs) today. In many forms. Yeah, quite an episode we have on tap, but uh, I want to introduce a couple of my friends here. First, we go way back. We go back a, a long ways now, several years. Six? Yeah, six or seven years. At least he's but, learned how to make an introduction. I know, <laughs> man. The last podcast was terrible. I apologize again to Gary Brown. Um, but <laughs> Melissa Hill here on the podcast. And Melissa has, uh, in kind of in line with the topic today, she has two teenage daughters. She ha- mm-hmm. You have worked um, for years with... Young people, teenagers, uh, counseling, guidance counseling, instructing, um, and, and multiple different platforms. And so, thanks for being on the Thank podcast. Thank you. Thank and, you. And Jeffrey tells me that you're an Ozite. Yes, I am. I do that, listen. That's, that's what we call the people. I was like, who, "What's an Ozite?" Who, uh, who, who listen <laughs> no, 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 religiously no. to the podcast? So, an Ozite. All right, an Ozite. I, I like this. I'll uh, take it. Yeah, that's awesome. And we also have Devonte Harrington on the podcast. Nice. Th- What's up, guys? He's 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 very nervous. He said today. Okay, <laughs> um, but uh, Devonte been with us for a while. He's actually uh, a covenant member here. Is involved with the student ministry. Uh, great guy. Everyone says he lights up the we room. We had to have a young stud on the podcast. My, my, my wife, me and Eric all, couldn't fill those. My roles. wife always <laughs> talks about Devonte's smile. She's like, he has like the best <laughs> smile. Yeah. Like it's so smile is so inviting. Um, but funny. we also, and I said this in before the podcast. Uh, I had asked Devonte a couple months ago to be on this podcast specifically because he, you are in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting a little more serious from what I've heard. And uh, and then he's you were working at the time and said I can't do it. Asked a couple other young people and they were like, oh no. Like, I'm not being on this podcast about how far I can go. And then uh, schedule came available, and Devontae showed courage and said, yeah, I'll be on this. So anyway, thanks for being here today, bro. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so we're talking about, honestly, this is a question I've gotten a lot throughout my ministry, but in particular from not just young people, yes, young people, because um, I was a youth pastor for many, many years and a youth traveling speaker, but also from parents in regards to how far should I let my child go, especially in the physical realm, but also emotionally, when should I let my child date, that, those types of questions. But specific to today, the question is, hopefully for the Christian who is asking, Christian parent or young person who's asking the question, how far physically can I go with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or even maybe a fiance? Without being in sin. Without being in sin, yeah. Who wants to start? Ladies first. Mm-hmm. All right. So why why do you think this is a question that's so commonly asked? Oh, because it's hard. <laughs> it's and it's it's important. The it's commonly asked because the the consequences are big, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And I mean, it was asked probably before because it was more so about morality and um, toe in the line kind of thing. But um, but it's important. Um, Healthy sexuality, sex is a gift. God gave it to us. The church needs to address it. I'm Definitely. I'm so excited that you're doing that. I mean, it, that was, this was an easy yes for me. Matter of fact, my first sermon that I came 
when we first visited here, I don't even remember the entire subject, but Aaron tackled the subject of sex. I'm like, these are my people. This is where we're going. <laughs> this is, um, and and just discussing that that it is a gift. And so because sex is designed by God to be amazing and not just for procreation, but recreation, um, we need to, <laughs> we, we do need to discuss it. Yeah. It's important. I see why your husband was nervous about you coming yeah, on the podcast. So let's come out with a bang. All right. So, Devante, why are do you have think- a warning and a, and a explicit, yeah, yeah. explicit yeah. podcast. Language? We can say whatever we want. Okay. Um, Devante, why do you think it's such a commonly asked question? You may have a different answer than Melissa's. Yeah, I would. I would just say that we live in a world that is so overly sexualized. Mm-hmm. And so, like, our culture and our society, everything we watch, everywhere we go, everything's filtered in this view of, like, sex. Right. And so I think it's Christians who go into a world uh, just unprepared of what we might encounter us uh, specifically as we enter dating. I would say, like, if you want to glorify God, like that's a question that comes up is how far can I go in a sense that um, how can I love my girlfriend? That's not my wife yet without sinning against God. And so I think it's the just the culture that we live in. So I think it's such a commonly asked question because most single guys want to have sex with their girlfriends. Mm-hmm. That's sure. what I would yep. say is the number one reason. I think Devante's explanation is kind of the punchline of the podcast, which is that's how we should go into dating our mm-hmm. girlfriends um, and boyfriends is how can I glorify God through this relationship? And we'll get to what that looks like and why that's the better question. Like this question usually is not a good question in my opinion. It's not. Like I remember well, back, it wasn't that long ago when I was a single guy. And when I thought through this question, it was purely like, how much can I do with my girlfriend without sinning? Mm. Which is a problem, you know? Yeah. And I think it shows a lot of heart issues. And I think that I didn't have sex with my girlfriend sometimes more out of fear or guilt or getting in trouble or I'm going to be damned to hell right there, which is wrong. Those thoughts are also wrong, but that's probably what kept me from having sex with my girlfriends more than am I glorifying God in this relationship? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tag on to what Melissa said because I really appreciate it. And I think, especially growing up as I grew well, up. When she said how great Billing 28 is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that just... too, for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> But no, how great. Okay, so our, we have a culture that says do what feels right. Mm-hmm. And there's little that feels better than sex, if we're honest. And that's God's plan and that's idea, right. his design. It's supposed to be wonderful. It is literally the intimacy of a marriage union, a man and a woman in marriage, is supposed to illustrate the the unity of the Trinity, like how intimate and connected the, the unity of the Trinity is. And so that is a beautiful thing that unfortunately, because the culture has gone so far left on sex, and we're in the sex-craved culture, the church has gone way too far right and almost demonized sexuality today. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet the reason, the, the if we really boil it all down, the reason people are asking this question, and yes, I agree with you and Devante, that they're asking it from a heart of, I want to have sex with my girlfriend, I want to have sex with my boyfriend. But ultimately, they're asking this because God has hardwired them to desire sex. Mm-hmm. And that that fulfillment, just like every, God has hardwired us to to pursue pleasure to pursue um, uh, knowledge, but the, all of those things find their ultimate fulfillment in the proper design that Christ has constructed for them. And for sexuality, I know we're old school and archaic here, that is a man and a woman in marriage, in in this holy union legally, so not just we're married in our hearts before the Lord, legally, in consummation sexually, and before the Lord and, and witnesses. And so but that is why it's asked is because we are image bearers of God and he has created us to desire 
intimacy, connectivity, and that come pleasure and not all comes in sexuality. And that's why we asked the question. And it's a good question to ask. And mm-hmm. why do you think the church has gone so far as to almost make it seem like it's bad, we shouldn't want it, even desiring it as an issue, as opposed to what you're saying, where we're hardwired to want it, but we have to deal with it. And again, just like we were kind of talking about loving God more than your mom or your dad, like when we talked to our kids, but like loving God above all of our desires, sinful or not, is part of this. Like that's still one of our desires and that's not sinful in itself because we're hardwired like that. Okay, so you look at the church historically and the church historically, I I love the church, the the blood-bought bride of Jesus, but we have organizationally sucked at um, responding to the culture, okay? And so when the culture, like you go all the way back to the Reformation, you had the Catholic church, the only church that was, and they had certain institutions within the church, certain practices within the church that when Protestantism rose, and I love Protestantism, but we got rid of certain things in the church that there's nothing wrong with those mm-hmm. things. There was, there was nothing wrong with the sign of the cross in prayer. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with some of the, the, the ordinances that they would practice or um, symbols that they would kind of revere. Now, worshiping those things, but instead, instead of saying, hey, here's the proper place and the proper balance in Christianity for these things, we just got rid of them. The same thing has happened since the, the sexual revolution of the 1960s and the hippie movement is we said, okay, instead of, instead of pulling sex back to its proper, beautiful place where it should be, it's easier as the church just to not talk about it, just to get rid of it, to demonize it, to act like it's terrible. We've done that with alcohol, right? Right. Like instead instead of having a healthy understanding of alcohol, let's just not talk about it. Let's just get rid of it. Let's and that's that's how we have become with so many things over the last 40 years, this last generation, that now the younger generation's rising up with alcohol and with sexuality and with other things and going, why do we have this position? Like, it seems really far-fetched and really archaic, and it's not the biblical position. And so I think it's just easy, if, if I'm honest. The answer is it's easy to go, let's just not talk about this. Let's just, oh, it's gross. It's it's terrible. I mean, it's, you know, we don't want to, instead of, it's actually beautiful in its proper context. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you take, if we were to take, um, we go down to the Keys once a year, most of the time. I know you guys do as well. And we'll go snorkeling. And you see all of that beauty underneath the surface of the ocean right there. If you took that and brought it back to Clearwater with you, it wouldn't be beautiful anymore. It would it would shrivel up. It would die. All the coral and the animals and everything. Um, because you're removing it from its proper place, its proper context. Sexuality is absolutely stunningly beautiful in its proper context. And we need to understand that. And so when we talk about that, what do we mean by sexuality? And how far can I go until I cross over into a realm where it's no longer beautiful? I'm no longer honoring God in this, but instead I've compromised and, and, and living in a practice of sin. So for something that's so beautiful and, and created by God and something that's enjoyable that we like to do for recreation and procreation, why is it such a big deal then to be compromised in that area if someone goes too far with their girlfriend or boyfriend? Um, sin is sin. Is there any difference to this kind of sin? Why is it such a big thing that that young people or single people um, struggle with? So why is it a big deal? Mm-hmm. Well, again, the consequences are a little different um, than than some other sins. Right. And and you know we get our students that will you know the big concern is well I'll wear a condom I won't get my girlfriend pregnant or I won't get pregnant. And it's important to understand, first of all, pregnancy is not a sin. (laughs) Being pregnant is not a sin. 
Um, and pregnancy is not the worst thing that could happen to you. And ask any healthcare professional. And um, when you're speaking about risky sexual behaviors, pregnancy is not the first consequence that comes to mind. Um, Pinellas County ranks high in the state of Florida in instances of sexually transmitted diseases. And again, not to go to the crazy fear-based, I, I do love a shock. You will get chlamydia and you will die. You will get pregnant <laughs> and you will die. Um, but we don't want to go straight to some some shock value things. Sure. But I think there is a place for some CDC pictures if you think you need to do that with your kid. Well, but also, <laughs> also, I want to interject and say that it's important to note, because I have heard pastors be like, oh, we shouldn't be fear-mongering in this and whatever. And I agree. But at the same time, like God has designed every aspect of the world. What he said is right is not only righteous, but it's just the best way for humanity to live. God is not a cosmic killjoy. And, and, and there are consequences just... physically, as well as spiritually right. and emotionally, but physically to not living in line with the prescription that Correct. God has given us. And so I think it's something to acknowledge and there's something to be said for that. The boundaries are for our good. Yeah. The boundaries are for our good. They're for our individual good. They're for our family's good. They're for societal good. Good. It's best for us when we live within that boundary. I love, of course, I love your uh, underwater analogy with the coral because that's my that's my thing. But I think about it too, like a fire. A fire in yeah, its proper definitely. place is comforting. We can make s'mores. We warm our feet. We, you know, it's wonderful. A fire in this office is destructive. Mm. It's What's up on my candle back here. I was, I was like, have sex that. by the fire. But again, that's its proper <laughs> yeah, little place. Yeah. It is isn't in its proper Absolutely. little place. Absolutely. But a wildfire is scary and we bring out the professionals to tend to it, <laughs> right. to take care of it. Yeah. So I think those consequences and bad results to going too far with your boyfriend or premarital sex or risky sex are correct across the board, Christians and non-Christians. Correct. Just to think about. So Devante, what, what would you say as far as are the issues or results or problems with compromising or going too far with your girlfriend spiritually, or just that relates to Christians that might not be the same for someone mm -hmm. that's not a Christian? I think we willingly, when we do indulge in um, sexual sin, willingly knowing it's wrong and things like that, uh, we harden our heart towards the Lord. We stun our sanctification. Mm -hmm. And those are the biggest things for me because um, just a person who's, I've had sex before marriage, I've indulged in, in, and fell um, short of the glory of God in my sexual sin. And I know like what that led to. I know what it's done in my heart in pursuing the Lord. I know how it set me back in so many different areas of my life. And so I would say that like spiritually, it just, it it puts you in this in this dark place in a sense. Like when you harden your heart, it's hard to, you know, get back to where you once were uh, with your joy in the Lord. It takes yeah. all that stuff away. It it chases away the assurance you once had in salvation mm. and, and all those different things. I think it plays a role. And we just, we sin with our body. It talks about our body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think that it's really interesting with sexual sin, especially too, when people fall into that, whether it's premarital sex or homosexual feelings or actions that a lot of Christians deal with even, is it becomes something too that you want to find ways. To, and I think that goes right into this question. You want to find ways to justify it, mm -hmm. find ways in the Bible to say, it's okay that you can keep living like that. It's like, it's a sin almost above every other sin that you want to keep doing. If you start doing it, you know, like right. that's, that's one of the other things. It's like a, it's like going downhill, snowballing downhill where it just keeps picking up speed. And like you're saying, hardens your heart, I think is a really good 
explanation for that because the devil can easily use that to divert our our attention. And that's just become something we focus on. Like a lot of people that struggle with homosexual tendencies or feelings, like they want to study and read everything to try to find a way that the Bible says it's okay. Same thing with premarital sex and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like they want to try to find and say, the Bible's outdated, like you said. It's okay now because I'm just loving my girlfriend. It feels good for both of us. It's consensual. She loves me. I love her. We need to see if we're compatible for marriage so oh, that we're going to have a long lasting marriage. But I'm saying people, I, he's <laughs> right that it just is like, you you get hardened and you you your sanctification not just gets stunned it goes the other way because mm. you're trying to find ways to make this fit into your Christian box which is why this is such an important question. Yeah, I mean it's it's and we've talked about this on other podcasts as well. Sexuality is just the most polarizing thing because there's no middle ground. Like you can you can justify <laughs> your pride by saying it's it, it's confidence right. or I'm not really. I mean, look, there's so much there's so much. Peter, you always talk about like the humble brag that goes yes. on today. Like there's so much humble bragging on social media or from platforms or in conversation, and so you can justify so many other sins because there's an ambiguity that mm-hmm. uh, that that accompanies those sins where oh. I'm, I'm, I'm not proud. Or you can even be like, oh, I struggle with pride. But if I'm like, hey, I'm, I've been struggling with sleeping around. Like there's just a difference, you know, yeah. like with mm-hmm. with how that's viewed. And I think that's that there's a reason for that. Um, sexuality was given as beauty. It was given as trust building. And we'll get into like what, what I mean, to Melissa's point, she talks about, you know, the physical aspects. And then Devante talks about kind of the spiritual aspects of being hardened towards the Lord. But there are also like God has given us our emotions and our soul and there is a, you know, First First Thessalonians 4 is one of those passages that really talks about sexuality, mm. flee from fornication, that pornea, but then also talks about let no one go beyond and defraud their brother. Like there is a, there is an emotional aspect of that. And sexuality was given to us to actually build trust. And when sexuality is practiced outside right. of marriage, it deteriorates trust. Even with so many that I've encountered they had sex before marriage to see if they were compatible or if mm. it worked. By the way, it always works. Like Legos, um, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it works. Usually but then, you're not. But then they get married, and mm. so often now there is a distrust yeah. that has formed for a marriage partner because if they would do that with me before marriage came, what's to stop them? If they justified it, then what's to stop them from justifying that sexual behavior outside of marriage? And whether those claims and those that mistrust is, is baseless or has substantial base – that it still exists. I think like, it just opens a lot of doors in your head for the devil to to use against you. Like yeah. we have enough already and this just adds to it. And I have a Christian friend who just continues to struggle with this every relationship he gets in. And you can just tell it's so much worse. Like you're saying, if you're going to compare a relationship where that did happen and one that it didn't happen, it's just so much worse. Everything about it is so much worse. So what? how do you answer this question? Melissa, we'll start with you. How do you answer this question if somebody were to ask, how far is too far for me to go with my girlfriend if I'm a single person or a teenager or whatever? I would smile and lovingly say there is no right answer to a wrong question. That's the wrong way to look at it. To your point, like the spiritual part is where this matters on this question, because it's really how can I make this relationship and others holy and to keep it to keep it holy. So if it's a Christian student asking this question, that's how I would approach it. Physically, you're saying, well, at what point can you get a disease, bud? You know, then you you take it on it from a so different perspective. So you wouldn't say like first base? No, never. All right. So the bases get a little ambiguous yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, they change. Sure. We, we move uh, up the bases. To, uh, what What is now first base used to be third base. So, you know. Like well, and then there's sexting in there. Yeah. So then that yeah. became a base or a plumping, yeah. a run. 
I don't yeah. know, but yeah. it's yeah. something. So if somebody wants a concrete answer, what would you guys give them? I mean, what would you what would you give them if it was serious? Like somebody came to you, they know you're single. Somebody mm-hmm. in student group is like, "What do you think, man? What do, what do you live by? How do you determine how far is too far?" What would you tell? I would say, don't play with the fire unless you want to get burnt. Mm-hmm. Right? I wouldn't go too close. I know what it's going to do. I know what happens when I my flesh is weak, um, and so I, I won't put myself in a position. So I would say, don't get cl- too close to the fire. Um, in a sense that you you can easily get burnt. And if you don't get burnt like close enough, you still have those hairs that fall off because mm-hmm. of getting too close. So I would say stay like back. <laughs> Be aware. Uh, yeah. And we get this too with engaged couples. Like, well, we're already betrothed, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And and I don't love a long engagement for that reason. I Listen, the closer you get to the toilet, the more you have to pee. And you you know it's like true <laughs> you just quotable <laughs> you need to it's a very weird physical thing that happens if it's true but, but it's that. also natural yeah it and we just can't do what I comes naturally all true. the time we have to yeah. wait for the proper place yep so sex is natural and it's wonderful and you feel pretty good and after you go to the bathroom you do too but we still gotta wait and do it where we're supposed to do it uh, so i like it, I like it. <laughs> what would you tell I somebody would, i would say if somebody comes to me and this has happened Many, many times. Obviously, I mean, they come to you for this kind of thing. <laughs> they don't as much anymore. I think they know. Like, and, yeah. and, and this is kind of shocking, maybe for people listening to podcasts, they've heard our alcohol or cursing episodes, and they probably think I'm like, uh, do whatever. Son of a- but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty traditional and conservative because I'm, I think, biblical when it comes to That's sexuality. Right. So when somebody comes to me, the first thing, and I would advise any parent for this, any pastor, any Christian worker, youth worker, like their soul is what comes first. Mm-hmm. And so we are not trying to make moralist. We are trying to influence with the gospel. And so if somebody comes and goes, how far can I go? I am going to try to discern. I'm going to pray through, but I'm going to ask them, do you believe the Bible? Do you mm-hmm. love Jesus? Like that's going to be first because if they don't believe the that's Bible good. and they don't love Jesus, now, now we're just talking morality and yeah. we have a whole different basis for our worldview that we're coming at this thing. So I want to, I want to find out. Now, most that come to me or probably any of us will at least espouse a yeah, claim say in, yes to that. in Christianity and God in the Bible. And so one of the questions I was asked is it helps paint out in their mind. I would, I just asked them, you have a spouse out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. How far would you want them to go? I was just going to say, turning. I, it, nobody comes to me with this question, so I'm not even going to answer it. But <laughs> I would assume that turning the question around on them yeah, would make correct. it easy to get like, a good like, answer. Would, uh, you know, because I would imagine that once again, even if they're trying to say as innocent as possible, there is that drive given to us by the Lord where they want to exercise that to the full extent that they can righteously. And so if they can justify, let's say they can justify second base, they can justify making out and and hands under the clothes. Like, let's just say they can, Okay. I would just ask, would, would you would you want your future wife, future husband out there doing that with somebody else? Like, would you want that? And they might be like, yeah, 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 that's great. Like, whatever. But I would ask, why would you want? So let's just take it one base at a time. Why would you want to do that? And like, you may have a, they may have a good answer for kissing their girlfriend, right? So sure. the stupid answer, the stupid answer, which I have heard is, okay. I want them to have experience by the that's time right. they get to me. So I have had no, no, these to know what they're doing to students because what my background was speaking in public schools. Mm-hmm. I was working for a parachurch organization, but we, so I went into health classes. So I hit them with these mm-hmm. questions and then they would say, but miss, but miss, then, then she'll at least be experienced. 
or how will I know if we're compatible or how, you know. Yeah, that's really stupid. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, but, but, but you have to remember you're it. talking a lot of times I to get teenagers, it, but young I, what adults. What I'm saying is like if you, were to ask, if you were to ask a Christian young person or even somebody like Devante, right, who's, who's older, more sanctified than a 15-year-old kid probably, but you say, why do you want to do X with your girlfriend? Why, because you come and ask this question, obviously you want to do that. So why would you want to kiss them? They could probably come up with a good answer for that. Yeah. Why would you want to do hands under the clothes or oral sex or sex? Like once you get to those points, the only answers that really come back to that are going to be at least sins in your head, if not also physical sins. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I feel like if you turned the question around on somebody asking that, they could get those answers themselves. And I think that's the best thing yes. for people with this question is to try to help them get their own answer to the question, as opposed to you saying, just kiss, just hold hands, mm -hmm. just do this, just, you know, anything but the whatever. So I've used the analogy a lot of... Um, because I think it's hard to make an argument that if I'm in a committed relationship that I can't kiss my boyfriend or girlfriend. It's hard to make that argument. I, it's hard to make it biblically anyway, potentially, even though I would try. Um, but but I've especially I've, with our daughters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they, those boys, boys better be ready. Um, but uh, but I'm, I've presented the analogy to teenagers and to parents, the young people before of kind of going into a a Publix, but imagine all the aisles are much closer together than they are in a Publix. Only enough room for a one shopping cart to fit down at a time. And all the aisles, instead of being stocked with groceries, are stocked with crystal. And you've got one of those shopping carts that has a bad wheel in the front, right? Which we've all had. Um, could you navigate that store? I always ask, could you navigate that store without breaking any crystal? And the answer is yes, you could. But would you rather have a shopping cart with four Goodwills if you're going to try to navigate that? And the answer would be yes. To me, when we talk about engaging in any physical intimacy, including even kissing, and I almost seem like an old, old fart traditionalist, but even kissing, making out, um, sexting, anything like that, because you can't get a disease from sexting, but we could still argue, and I think we should, that it's not biblical. Could you navigate a store holding hands, kissing, even making out. Could could you do that without going too far sexually? The answer is yes. Would you want to? Like, do you, like the chances of you breaking something? Because just like there are gateway drugs, there are, there's gateway sure. intimacy. Like, like God did not design kissing to be an end in itself. He did not design hand holding or, or making out to be an end in itself or groping underneath the clothes or even oral sex, like none of that was designed to be an end in itself. The consummation of that relationship was the end in itself to the glory of God, to build trust for intimacy. And so what you're doing is you're, you are, to Devante's illustration, you are playing with fire, even though that might not be sin in itself. Some of the things I listed, some of them very arguably could be, but let's say kissing might not be sin in itself. You're opening a door to lead. And I, I don't know anybody, I literally in 20 years of ministry, I don't know one single person that's been like, we kissed, it was awesome, and I was fully satisfied. <laughs> like, no, like you're you not like more. you're yeah. always wanting more. Like you want to do more. And that's why, I like, to your point of this young Christian friend, whoever he is, like that would be everybody. Like, like they struggle. The the, the people I asked come on the podcast, they struggle because kissing was not designed to be the end. It was designed to move us toward a point of intimacy. And so for me, I would okay. 
this is one of those episodes. It's going to be a lot of analogies. And if you listen to me preach ever, you know, I, I tell a lot like of stories. an analogy within an analogy. Yeah, sorry. I, I can't help myself. But you might have heard the story. Some of y'all might have heard the story of like the stagecoach drivers where the guy was trying to hire stagecoach drivers. And it was like, I want to see who can come closest to the edge of the cliff with the stagecoach. And so the first guy comes within a foot of the cliff. And the second guy comes within six inches. And the third guy is all the way over on the opposite side. And he hires the third guy. Because he says, the owner says, I don't want the guy who can get closest. I want the guy who will stay furthest away. I think that mentality in Christianity is what should prevail. Like, like, why should I dabble with fire? Why should I try to get as close as I can to the edge? I was talking to, to a young lady last week who said, I'm struggling in this area with my boyfriend. And I said, wherever your parameter is, um, you're always going to, in your flesh, in your sinful moments, exceed that. So move that parameter back. Like, like whatever. So my, my parameter is, is leading off first base, let's say, right. I'm always, I'm always gonna be tempted to go to second base, you know, whatever. And, and once again, we're not going to define the bases, but you know what I mean? Like I'm always gonna be tempted sure. and probably going to overindulge and go further. So move that thing back. Like if, if you're going, Hey, like our parameter is kissing, but we always find ourselves doing more then stop kissing. Like, like, move it back. I know that once again, that makes me sound like an old fogey. I am a parent now. I can't help myself. I'm a pastor. But mostly I'm a Christian. I want to honor Christ. The scripture calls us repeatedly to purity. And purity, by the way, doesn't stop when we get married. Purity continues throughout our whole life. Um, the, the marriage bed is to be kept undefiled, pure, and sanctified. And so, you know, th those are some of the things, some of the principles that I would hope to instill so that ultimately we answer the why. Why? To glorify God in our bodies, which are his. I think it's hard. I think it's a really hard, it's much easier as adult males who have sex with their wives to answer this question. And females who have and sex females, with their husbands. And females, right, right. <laughs> who have sex with their husbands. I, I think it's it's way easier for us to answer these questions. Not to say anything you said was wrong. But mm -hmm. I do think that I try to put myself in somebody else's shoes and to think like I can't kiss my girlfriend. That to me just seems so impossibly hard that it makes me like maybe not want to even try to be pure, right? Which is wrong. I get it and sinful. And, and, and I'll let you respond. I, I think that the mindset that we've been talking about and glorifying God is most important and kind of Devante's first point that he made, I think is really important in how we look at this situation. And I do think that if you, I think also something that's really important, number one, is having these conversations with your girlfriend or boyfriend mm -hmm. um, yeah. and be on the same page right. and be both of you trying to do this same walk together mm -hmm. as opposed to one of you wants to, one of you doesn't. So don't date an unbeliever. Right. Or, or even a believer that thinks further than what you think is yeah. okay is okay, right? And I think if you have that, I do think you can kiss in a way that glorifies God that doesn't make you go too far. I do think there are ways, like I said, if you ask them the question of why do you want to kiss, but I mean, why do you want to have oral sex? I don't think you can really say like, I want to do that to the glory of God with my girlfriend. Like, I think that you can, you can wisely answer these questions together as two Christians in a committed dating relationship that does involve kissing and handholding and hugging and like some sort of and you can you can tell me I'm wrong and like that's no, all I just think going that, down that a like lot of a lot of the couples I know who are doing it right mm -hmm. they don't even kiss well I can think of a couple who don't kiss I'm not saying I'm, I'm not, not saying, saying that, that you can't exist. I'm just saying I'm but but they're doing it right in that not only are they having conversations with one another um and I don't know how how it's working for you Devante but they they also have open conversations with their parents or spiritual mm -hmm. leaders in their mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. about this um, and I know Deshaun and you hang out quite a bit and he said that you've had open conversations yeah. with him about it because if I'm, if I'm talking to my girlfriend and you and I are very coercive people, right? It'd be very easy for me. I'm just saying. Throw that on it, me. <laughs> well, we are. I, I know you want. I like convincing, not you know? coercive. But. Okay. Whatever. Call it what you want. Potato, potato. Um, but 
I feel like I could converse, I could coerce, I could I can convince a girlfriend potentially that this is okay. I Something's agree with okay. You. Right. But if I introduce that third party of a pastor or a counselor okay. or a spiritual yeah. leader, sure. So so two people that are in love with each other and they have all the hormones and emotions raging, it's gonna be way easier for them to justify just the two of them and the privacy of their apartment so, or home to go further than sure. if they're sitting with a spiritual leader right. and they're going, hey. We thought this was okay, and that spiritual leader is like, y'all are idiots. Like, <laughs> no, this is not okay. Like, this sure. is this is going to end up here. So that's why I say introducing that. I, I agree having that conversation, even I would I would say as awkward as it might be, praying with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't think that should I, be awkward. Well, oh. it is awkward sometimes. <laughs> you talking about like when you're when you're wanting to like have sex or something? I'm just talking about it all the time. I like, agree. I don't like, think it's awkward to pray with. I, I mean, I never felt like it was awkward. But praying with them, I think that's important. But introducing that third sure. that third component of and, and especially I would say for the girl to have to have a lady. It's not sure. just a dude who has a pastor friend, but have a lady who they can trust and and be poured into. I want to hear what Mich- Melissa was going to say. Well, first, I loved that you even uttered the word purity because I feel like the purity culture has gotten so such Non-existent. a bad, well, got a bad rap and, oh, yeah. and amongst the church and our new, you know, progressive leaning. What was that thing called? What was the true love pure, weights? True man. love weights. That's right. I used to do the purity those rallies, ring. Man. I definitely uh, I signed a card. I've been to one. I've been I to a true love weights. I signed my card, weights. laid it on the altar right. at the Baptist church <laughs> where I cut my spiritual teeth and I'm thankful for them. Yeah. Um, but I laid my card yeah. up there. Anyway, um, Purity gets a it gets a bad rap amongst mm. the the church lately, and um, it's not a bad word. It's it's what we sh- within the marriage even are still to strive for in everything. Um, I know of a lovely, lovely Christian young man who I absolutely adore, who is saying that he's so afraid mm. that he thinks he's going. He's worried he's going to have not just physical intimacy issues or whatever, but like he's oh. so afraid of going mm-hmm. too far. Like he's, and I'm like, did I do that to my kids? Like, did I, you know, they had their mom who taught sex ed. Like, did I mess them up and take it too far? And like, because sex is amazing and wonderful. And we just, we, that's what we want for my kids in their marriage to have healthy sexual relationship. And so just thinking about like, there is a flip side to that. Like, to take, I'm not saying we could teach too far, but I do know couples who haven't kissed or maybe they like kissed when they got engaged and that's it, not more until they got married or they waited until the altar when they got married to have their first kiss. And that's wonderful and beautiful. Um, It's not the only way. It is quite safe, but, um, you know, we do have to speak to those that have already gone further than they wanted to. Mm, Absolutely. We have to speak to that because there is redemption and they are not impure any more than the little virgin sitting next to them. And that it's just, it really is a double-edged sword like so many things. But like our food and alcohol and anything that God gave us, we can, it can file be abused, it, yeah. prostitute it. <laughs> like, sure. Absolutely. But um, talking is the biggest thing, I think, because doesn't Satan love a secret? Doesn't he just love a secret? When something is happening in the dark— it just, it gets more of a foothold. So when we're talking about dating relationships, hey, I think this is getting serious with other people and you bring that third party in, is such a big deal. I mean, of course, I'm going to say parents first. Yeah. You know, I, but that's I, not always. I want to cycle back really quick to something Peter said earlier, and I know that he wasn't in any way justifying, but he said it's easier for us to sit here as married people 
Um, it's easier in some respects, but you take, for example, pornography. The pornography statistics are just as high among married men as single men. Mm. And so when we talk about it being easy, like what's easy or what's difficult never constitutes what's holy and sure. what's pure. And so if there's a single dude out there who's thinking about sleeping with his girlfriend or going further than is God glorifying with their girlfriend or, or boyfriend uh, from a girl, whatever, just know that when, when you get into marriage, it's marriage is meant to be beautiful and intimate and relational, but there's also a whole new slew of issues that sure. ensue and certain sin issues, sexual sin temptations might become, and I think they do for a lot of people, more more tempting. Pornography might become more tempting inside of marriage than outside of marriage. And so my whole point there is if you're single and you're listening or you're counseling somebody who's single or you're a parent of somebody who's single and they're and you want them to hear this, what is what is easy, obviously, is never hardly ever what is right. Like Christianity is hard. Glorifying God is hard because sin has defiled so much. It has corrupted so much. There was a point in time, very briefly in human history, where sexuality was always beautiful and it was always good before the fall. But now with the fall, everything has been twisted on its head. And so what's easy now most often is what is wrong. And so we fight against that even if it is, hey, even even if it's just easier to not cheat on my wife than it was to, you know, have sex before marriage, we still fight strongly you know, against that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So let's talk about what conversations you've had, you would have with people who have already gone too far with their boyfriends or girlfriends. Um, what kind of conversations would you have about the redemption? Like she's talking about, about forgiveness, about guilt, and then also about how they should change how they act going forward with their future relationships. Well, Devante, I'll, I'll swing to you because I know that not only are you in a very committed relationship, and you, you admitted that there was transgression in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also deal a lot with high schoolers and young adults in different mi- ministry platforms. So how would you kind of, how do you counsel your own soul in that? Mm-hmm. How would you counsel, you know, other young people who have already fallen into that? I think the biggest thing would be going back to Christ mm-hmm. and what he's done for our sin, how he's paid that debt for us. And it washes our slate clean. Because I talk to people, actually. Um, we have conversation about um, whether it's falling sexually in a sense that it's like fornicating uh, physically with another person or pornography or whatever it is. And it's that reminder of, like, this is this is what Christ has done for you. It's easy to put yourself in that penalty box, feel like you're, like you're unsavable now, or feel all these type of different emotions and feelings. But if you live based on those feelings only and not, like, the truth of Scripture, then it'll affect you in a negative way. And so um, my biggest thing is just reminding them of like the promises of scripture. And then I exhort them like, all right, like this is what caused you to fall. This is what led you to sin. How do we take this away, right? Because Jesus says, um, I can't say it word for word, um, but um, if you're right, I caused you to sin, plug it out, yeah. right? And so for somebody who struggles with um, pornography and they continuously fall short, I ask them like, What's what's that what's that that thing that leads you to that 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 place where you fall and you say, all right, there's no way of getting back. Like, what's that place? Is it Instagram? Is it uh, Facebook? Is it TikTok? Whatever it is. I say delete those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they're just bad, but if they're going to continue to cause you to fall into sin, mm-hmm. then it's like, why keep playing with it? You know, and I was one of those people. That's why I'm like, I don't. I'm fine with not having social media if they're going to continue to lead me to fall in a way that isn't 
you know, um, good for me. So that's the biggest thing is just reminding them of uh, scripture and exhorting them to like take those things away out of their life. That yeah, I love that because our, our gospel should always be past, like things have done in the past, forgiving mm-hmm. and future sanctifying. You know, like it mean, mean that we should never take past grace as a license for yeah. future sin. Right. right you know, sense. so I love, I love your position on that because when we, when we think about like, when I talk in, in, if I'm straight up, like there are young people who I mentor and am heavily involved with, um, who have fallen sexually. And when I talk to them, I'm going, Hey, I'm right there with you. Um, not only in transgression that I committed before marriage, but also in any transgression, because mm-hmm. we are, we are literally the purchased bride of Jesus who were unfaithful. I mean, Hosea is that great example of we are Gomer. We are the ad- adulterous mm-hmm. prostitute who ran after our lovers. And if we're honest, we still do even in our redeemed mm-hmm. um, state toward our husband now. But we ran after our lovers. And yet Christ has declared us righteous in him. And he has declared us. And, and our feelings are always a horrible way of gauging where we stand with the Lord. And so reminding them that this is where we all were, we all were impure before the Lord, and yet he has redeemed us. He calls us now righteous in him, and that positional calling of righteous should elicit from us and produce sanctification where we want to please our mm-hmm. husband, we, we, our bridegroom, uh, we want to glorify him. And so you know, that's, that's where I would point people toward is like, there's this, like I've, I've been able to sit down with people who have had an abortion, for example, and their guilt while it was terrible. And, and obviously we're talking sexuality, sexuality, uh, guilt, it's terrible. It's still atrocious. It's wrong. All of ours is all of our sin is that does not define us. Mm -hmm. Like, like our past mistakes and trespass does not define us. If we are in Jesus Christ defines us in his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And now from that identity, we we operate. If I told my son, Spurgeon, you have to do X, Y, and Z in order for daddy to love you and for you to be defined as a Curran, that puts upon him this oppression that he can't function from. But if I tell him you are loved, like I'm not holding your disobedience against you, you are a Curran already that I believe liberates him, hopefully not to just do whatever he wants, but to represent the family name well, mm-hmm, right. um, to want to please his father who loves him. And so that's where this idea of purity comes from, not from a an angry God necessarily, although he is angry with sin, who just wants to lash out at us, but from a loving father who has declared us right in his son. And now we want to please him. We want to honor him in our relationships and in our sexuality. And I, I would go like as far as to say that it's like it's hard sometimes to just to mm-hmm. understand that and like we want to understand it i understand it in the sense that um it's a lot of things i understand but to like practically live that out it's oh, yeah. harder it's easier said than done and so it's it's a battle of literally fighting against like what your mind tells you what the shame and the guilt says to you in your mind and what the devil tries to accuse you of mm-hmm. it's hard to like take all that out and just focus on what jesus says to you who he calls you to be who you are, who you've been um, saved as. And it's amazing to- how hard it can be to do like what you want to do and what mm-hmm. you know is right. right. You know, like yes, you're saying yeah. like you want to focus on what's right, what's better for you, what will make you happier and, and understand true joy, but you're still pulled in this direction of guilt. And- but even and I think failing. you're saying like it's hard to walk in the victory. Mm-hmm. It's easy to, yeah. to walk yeah. in the unworthiness mm-hmm. when yeah. we know what we are yeah. and we do know what we are. 
gospel so much more beautiful. It, it makes does, the yeah. gospel so much more beautiful, but it's it also makes it very apparent that we just can't mm-hmm. produce it. Right. It, it is a gift. It is. And I want to say to anybody listening who maybe you you struggle with and fall into pornography or going too far with a boyfriend or girlfriend, when that's repented, it never is justified. It's never right. But when that's repented of, I, that doesn't render you voiceless to someone. And it doesn't make you a hypocrite. A mm. hypocrite is someone who pretends that they're not doing what they're right. doing. Mm. Um, we're all inconsistent. Jeffrey and I will talk about this a lot. We're all inconsistent. And so – there are sexual thoughts that flitter across my mind, probably all of our minds that um, maybe we even indulge in at times as Christians, we know we shouldn't. And and then we repent of those things. We, we still stand up. Like if, if every preacher or leader has to be perfect in order to declare in every realm, but specifically sexually, no one's ever going to be declaring anything <laughs> because we're not. We're imperfect people that Christ has declared perfect mm-hmm. and is now slowly perfecting practically in himself. And so I don't want anybody out there who's listening to be like, I just don't have any voice to like speak to young people because I struggle. And sometimes I look at something I shouldn't or sometimes I go too far my boyfriend girlfriend. Are you repenting of that? Hopefully you are. If so, then stand and speak. And hopefully your proclamation will not only help, you, help your hearers, but will minister to your own soul as well. That's a problem. And I I don't want to get ahead too much, but it's a problem parents have in talking to their kids about healthy sexuality. Yeah, so let's get there. Let's talk about what what <laughs> should parents talk about with their kids. What Ooh, should that this look is like? My favorite part. Let's um, hear it. <laughs> but two teenage I, girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they they love it, don't you know? But it is it is hard for parents to want to approach the subject of healthy sexuality when you have your own past to contend with. So I would encourage parents first of all to not let your past hinder, that it is not hypocritical to even to say, don't do as I did. It's hypocritical to say, don't do as I do. Yeah. Those are, those are very different things. And um, yeah, living in the lifestyle of something or, versus I stumbled in something. Correct. Are two totally different things. Correct. Yeah. Um, I would say to the parents of younger ones, my favorite thing to say is to talk early and talk often and you know, a lot of parents want to say, well, I'll wait for them to come and ask me questions and then I'll answer their questions. New, no. <laughs> absolutely not. We're not waiting. You're talking early and often. The first person to teach your kids anything is the expert. And you need to be the expert on this matter. The stakes are very high. And How early would you say? Um, every kid is different. You know, like I had one, one that I could, I could say, okay, how does the baby get in the mommy's belly? Even just things like that. God put it there. God put okay, she was good. Next child, well, how does God put it there? And don't you know, we're in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. I'm just trying to get some chicken nuggets. And she's peppering me with questions from the car seat. And she's, you know, how does it get there? Well, it goes from the sperm to the egg. I'm very clinical. Very, we have always used correct anatomical terms, penis and vagina from the mm-hmm. get-go in our house. And she's, she's, how does it get there? Well, you know, and always use the phrase, the words husband and wife, not man and a woman who yeah. love each other. Just start putting that in there. But um, so she's, well, how does how does the baby get there? Well, um, from the, the sperm to the egg. Well, how does the sperm get to the egg? It comes from the penis and it goes to the vagina. My kid's four years old. And I'm sitting there sweating, trying to get my sweet tea. And I'm thinking, this is it. I'm over-sexualizing <laughs> her. Lord, please help me. And I, she'd ask a question and I'll go, what, baby? And I'm saying asking her to repeat it because I need to pray (laughs) the blood of Jesus over the words coming out of my mouth. And um, finally I had to, she just kept on and kept on. And I said, 
you know, the penis fits in the vagina like Legos, honey. That's the way it works. It's just that, that they always work that way. And, and that's how the sperm gets there. And I'm, I'm on my way to church on Wednesday night. We're going to children's choir. And I get to the church. I drop her off. And I go in there. I'm like, oh, I go to my pastor. I'm like, I cannot even tell you what just went down. And I told him what. He goes, you went to the Legos, huh? That's awesome. Six months later, she asked me the same questions again. Didn't even remember. And I was worried that I overdid it. Yeah. But I believe if they're old enough to ask, they're old enough to know. So answer the questions. But again, well, she was asking you the second time so she could teach her classroom. Yeah, I was yeah, going to exactly. say um, <laughs> how things work. Yeah. But uh, I was I was scared to death, but I but it helped me not be afraid to answer because they're only going to absorb what they can if you're giving it to them again clinically and well, my daughter's wanted a baby in her belly since she was like three years old. Oh, so that we might did be that dangerous. Too. Might be dangerous for her to know exactly how it works. Well, no, I, th- we went I, I do that. think I, I like Melissa's distinction there of, yeah, of, of, the of instructing in husband and wife terminology sure. yeah. right away because the world is going to instruct them in anything but. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We know, I've talked about this in sermons. We know that that Hollywood glamorizes unmarried sexuality. Yep. It's it's eleven for every one marital sex scene in a movie or film or TV show, there are 11 unmarried sex scenes because that sells much more effectively than married sex does. And so once again, everything in our culture has been flipped on its head. And so the more we can instill in our children that intimacy mm-hmm. and beauty in sexuality happens between a, not just a man and a woman, but a husband and a wife. That's right. Just like Jesus has demonstrated devotion, love, and intimacy toward us, his people, as his bride. I think that's those are very important conversations. I might not go for. Yeah, it seems early, but <laughs> no, I didn't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. But I but I, I do think that I do think that there are, I mean, I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I sure. think I think there is a point, like I have a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old right now. Um Spurgeon has already been asking some questions. Like I say, he's a very curious boy. And so he's been asking some questions regarding sexuality. And Danielle, who was on one podcast, she's just way more brazen and cut and dry than I am. I want to explain everything philosophically and and with this extra beauty. real and, in your and, imagination. And, 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 and Dan, hey, hey, we, we need to have a podcast on that. <laughs> um, but uh, she's just kind of very cut and dry. Kind of like, hey, this is how it works. Yep. Uh, a, a husband um, impregnates the wife and uh, and I'm like, dang, like that's that's a little heavy for, but but to her, she's like, he's going to hear it, you know. Now that he's he's gonna be eight next year, nine, ten, he's going to hear it sooner rather than later. And so, while once again, if they start asking the questions at four or five, you know, as a parent, I would say be prudent and careful and biblical in that, but answer those questions as God leads. But I I would say by the time our children are entering kind of middle elementary school, those those conversations need to start taking place because if if we just assume that they're not by the time they're nine and 10, I think we're extremely naive unless we have just done an immaculate job of sheltering our kids. Well, and if people um, wanted a set age, what I would always tell parents back in the day when I was teaching classes, I would say two years before the number that just popped in your head. <laughs> yeah. Whatever age just popped in your head, yeah. go two years before because there, it it really is the the world is teaching them. So so HBO can do it, NBC can do it, school, the teachers, school yeah, teachers friends, or you sports, yeah. yeah. And so again, you just want to be first. Yeah, you just you just want to be the first one. And um, again, with the parents, like the using the correct anatomical terms, if you're speaking clinically to them, you're not going to over-sexualize them because you're not making it sensual. Yeah. 
it, this is just the mechanics of a thing. And it doesn't have to be like a bad secret. No, you know, make them should think never that be. it's like that. You know, because that's that's always how it's going to come from their friends. Is like, ooh, it's not something we're supposed to talk about, which makes them want to talk about it more. Right. And it does. You know. And it may, when it's a bad secret, this is this is abuse proofing your kids on a on a different level that's when true. they know yeah. their parts and they know that they're well, for sure that that's why we always secrets. use anatomical. Right. Yeah. That's that which yeah. that's a whole other episode, but sure. There's the added benefit. <laughs> yeah. And then as your kids are middle school, a little bit older, it's not just about sex. It's just setting goals for your future, your spiritual goals. There's a God has a plan for your life, and there's a plan for your sexuality. But there's plans. So if you want to keep them not so boy crazy or girl crazy or whatever, just because you have goals. Mm-hmm. You have, you, what do you want to do with your life? What's your Yeah, what's I, your I can plan? tell you I had one goal when I was right. 16, yeah. right? So uh, – but no, I, I think that there's there's a lot of good principles here. I would direct people toward um, toward Paul David Tripp on a lot of this oh, stuff yes. with when it comes to raising teenagers and having these kind of discussions. Um, there's some really good resources out there. Devontae, anything you wanted to add as far as when dealing? You know, I, I know you're not a parent right now, <laughs> but but you are you do work with youth and young adults, mm-hmm. and parents will come to you uh, and ask, hey, uh, for advice. Any anything in your stage of life that you would kind of direct them toward? I was trying to think of like if I was a parent, like what I would tell my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would obviously like be praying for him, but like practically, like what can I do? I would tell them like what it is, have a conversation, but explain like why this is the way it is. Cause it's like I was thinking, I was like, if I if I got a whooping like when I was younger, I got spankings. Um <laughs> and when I would get whooped, if my dad didn't explain to me like why I got a whooping. I wouldn't understand why I got a whooping and I would just be mad that he whooped me, yeah. Yeah. right? And so uh, talking to them about sex, explain to them what it is and why, like, hey, this is why you don't want to do this so early. Explaining right. them the consequences that come with it. And uh, another thing I would say is, like, be be involved. Like, middle school kid or high school kid that start dating. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that yet, but... Um, That's a different I, episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> I would just say be involved, though, in a yeah. sense that I'm... Uh, like I'm there, like physically, I'm helping set uh, parameters and, and boundaries. Knowing and, who they are and, right. and you know being involved in it as opposed to trying to pretend it doesn't exist. If you have Not a daughter or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> locking <laughs> them in their Lay room. We're the just law. talking about homeschool. <laughs> just lock them in their room and everything will be fine. Uh, yeah. Hey, that's that, I think that's a wrap for today. Melissa, I know that you have probably n- many more notes to share. So we'll have you back on Out of Oz for season two. Since this is the last episode of season one, we are taking a two-month break. We'll be resuming the first of June with new episodes. So definitely be catching up on past episodes. Devontae, awesome having you on the podcast too. We'd love to have you back in our time. Pete, it's been a good first season, man. We'll see if I'll be back. We'll see see if we can renew your contract for uh, season two. Thanks. Anyway, till next time. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app. 